the Bible Study Podcast, episode 96. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Hebrews with Hebrews 8. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with the book of Hebrews and continue on with chapter 8, which goes like this. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve in a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one, and it is founded on better promises. So the writer continues on with this analogy of Jesus as high priest and says that Jesus is this great high priest, this high priest in the order of Melchizedek, as it's been talked about, that this is the high priest who is both sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, the throne of the majesty in heaven, and who serves in the one true sanctuary, the place where God dwells, and that all of the earthly priests serve in what is, in essence, a copy or a shadow of that. Because we don't go into the temple, and of course they can't go into the temple anymore, but this author is writing this before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and we don't go in there and see God face to face as we will someday in heaven, as Jesus is doing right now. And so we get this analogy here that Jesus is greater than the earthly high priest, that the heavenly throne room is greater than the temple and that the promises are greater than those original promises made to Moses and made to Abraham. That this is, all of that was a foreshadowing of the real priesthood of Jesus, of the real ministry of Jesus, of the real covenant that God has made with his people. And the writer continues, For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. So that which was made in the wilderness that covenant that was made to Abraham and then made again to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, God is saying in these verses here from Jeremiah that God is planning on making a new covenant. Now, this would be written by Jeremiah during the time of the exile. So this is after the people of Israel have made a king and they've turned their back on God and they've served other gods and he brought 
the people of Babylon to take them away into exile into Babylon. And the people of Israel are already scattered to the four winds because the Assyrians have come and taken them away because they weren't faithful to God. And then in the midst of that exile, the prophet Jeremiah brought this word that there would be a new covenant, not like the old covenant, which they couldn't keep, not like the old covenant, which he made to their forefathers as he brought them out of Egypt. Not like the old covenant, but something new and something better. So the author is saying that there's something wrong with the first covenant, and so God is redoing it. It's a do-over because he found fault with the people. The people couldn't keep the first covenant. And then he goes on to say, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. And so the author writes to the people of Israel, to the Hebrew Christians, and says that this is something different, this new covenant, that their hearts will be changed and they'll know the Lord from the least to the greatest. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says. And so the author is saying this will replace that which is the Old Covenant. Now that chapter was short enough, I think we're actually going to continue on into Hebrews 9. The author continues, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship, and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. And so the author describes that when Moses was on Mount Sinai, in the Exodus, he was given instructions for how to create a tabernacle, a moving sanctuary that God would dwell in among his people. And he was given very specific things in terms of how to build the Ark of the Covenant, in terms of what to put into it, both the stone tablets, also Aaron's staff that was used as a symbol that he was sent by God, The some of the manna that they were given when they were in the wilderness, they were told to keep in a jar within that Ark of the Covenant. And all of this was in the most holy place. And above the Ark, the cherubim of glory, these metal angels that are on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And the author continues, When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place 
had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. So the author is saying that once a year the high priest would come into the most holy place and only through the blood of the sacrifice, only after the sacrificial lamb had been slaughtered and the blood would be sprinkled on the altar here in the holiest of holies, that it took blood to enter this because the blood was a covering on the sin, in this case specifically the sins committed in ignorance. And what Hebrews here is saying is that this was not complete, that they were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They weren't sufficient. It was a foreshadowing of a future sacrifice, of future blood that would be shed that would enable this debt to finally be made clean. And we'll pick up from there next week, but we'll bring this episode to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.